Hello, this is Melina Williams. You're listening to the Massocast. It is, of course, 18 and over. So get your lube out and get ready to party. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode. Uh, new episodes are in the pipeline. We're recording new ones, and um, I'll be, I've got some other interviews lined up. I just have to get off my ass and schedule them. So it, it's not going to be long now, just maybe another month or so. And it's actually going to be t- dependent on the next thing I'm going to talk about. Uh, and that is, uh, I'll be having Spinal uh, Fusion, which was the name of my jazz band in college, by the way. Um, I'll be having a Spinal Fusion surgery. And um, I would just like to hear from people who've done it because uh, my question is, is, when can you get back to like heavy play after, after the surgery? I talked to my doctor and his answer was, uh... Uh, that was his medical opinion on on the subject. Um, so yes, spinal fusion. Uh, it's crazy expensive, but free morphine. The morphine is thrown in, which is which is nice. Uh, so if you've had a spinal fusion, or if you know of someone who has, the question is, when can the heavy play begin? That's the question. And uh, beginning at mid-November, and actually that's the time when I'll be doing uh, some uh, heavy painkiller interviews um, with fellow kinky people so if if you'd like to be lined up on that if you're brave enough to be interviewed by someone who's hopped up on goofballs by all means massacast at gmail.com um this episode is one of actually the most listened to episodes to this day it gets tons of downloads every week um it's the dominant roundtable it's where we had several great amazing people all in one episode uh, so enjoy this. This is one of the more popular episodes we've ever done. So um, there you go. You know, this is something I've been really, you know, I, I love all of your brains. And this is something that I've wanted to hear all of your thoughts on. For me, I, one of the reasons why I left the scene was because BDSM for me became very sacred. Something I could not bear the thought of sharing with anyone but someone I cared about sincerely. And I hated spreading that care. Eventually, I hated spreading that caring over, you know, various people, hoping that, you know, that this wasn't only a fantasy, you know, from their end. Now, I, I would rather have nothing. I would rather have absolutely nothing for who knows how long than to have something that is not deeply and and absolutely sacred. And so with this person I have at home, I want to share that part of me that I can't share with anybody else. I don't want to share with anybody else. My deepest, darkest, my I need all of you. Mm -hmm. I need all of you to be with me, walk my life with me. I need the organic, you know, I need this to happen naturally and organically. I need us to open up with each other and become who we haven't realized that we have always been. You know, I, I need that. That's sacred. I'd rather have nothing than not have that. And, you know, in the last conversation with you, we talked about how it had been so long since I had played. And that's why I would rather have nothing. Because to me, this is sacred. This is my deepest. This is my everything. 
I am going to be this with you. It will be organic. It will be our, our, our all. We will revere each other and this is how it will be. And it can be that fantasy in, we can create it every day of our lives. That's what I want. That's what I seek. That's what I must have. And to me, BDSM has given me that, that sacred property as well as therapeutic. I can be powerful in a way that I never knew before I started and before I, my entrance into this world. Um, and it has given me back a part of myself that was almost going to be lost forever had I not stepped into this world. And so I wanted to tap into your brains about this. Do you see sacred, the sacred, the Absolutely. revered? That's so beautiful, what you said, by the way. Should, yes. We have to transcribe that, and in, in th that sounds like wedding vows to me. <laughs> but sacred, when you say sacred, is there? I keep thinking of the word ritual attached to that. Is that because of, uh, because of a religious connotation or something? Because ritual is also very much part of BDSM, and that would also make a lot of sense as to why you might not want to spread that around, because a ritual is a ritual, and it's really hard to duplicate that over and over again. I think the ritual is beautiful. I've always loved ritual. It's why I've designed the jewelry that I've designed that comes with a ritual of putting... Because the ritual is very specific. Yes. And, and, uh, yeah. See, for me, I, I need to access as many, not as many, but like a wide range of people in order to expand myself and to keep opening myself up. There's, there's for me, and, and that's why it's... It's so, you know, it's so wonderful. There's, it can, there's nothing, nothing is wrong. Everything is right. You right. can be whoever you are. Your identity is whoever you are. And however you access it is great. For me, I need a connection with, with multiple people and I need to interact differently on different levels mm -hmm. and have a very shallow connection with someone that I can, you know, be a fucking cunt to, if I can <laughs> say that word. Cunt, yes, you may. And <laughs> say it again. Cunt, because I love to be a cunt. And, but I'm not always going to be a cunt with, you know, a large majority of people. But, you know, and so I can be different. So we're all, we all have these different facets of our persona. And mm -hmm. to kind of, that's what I was saying before about being self-absorbed is because you can use people. And, and that's what I'm doing is I'm using them. You know, I'm using these people that I play with to amplify myself. And I get a Yes, you know, I want to make it clear that I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing them evolve and seeing them have an experience they haven't had before or maybe one they have had before but just feel it however they feel it. I get a lot of pleasure out of that, but a lot of it is, is you know, related to my own expansion. You know, you know, I would have to say most of it is related to my own expansion. Yeah. I'm a little bit more on Alex's side. What I love about what I do is that I get to play with lots of people and explore lots of different aspects of my of my personality and my desires and my energy. Um, I do. I understand the idea of sacred, and there's there's certainly a part of me that's that's wanted to be able to share the BDSM side of myself with an intimate romantic partner mm. and 
you know, who is personal to me, who is mine, who, with whom I have a relationship. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when that happens. I want it to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Um, like not, you know, as they say in yoga, it's the fullest expression of the pose. Mm. It's like, I haven't had the fullest expression of my pose Mm. in in my personal life. Um, but I want it. And, and I have found that when I have connected with someone in my personal life with the BDSM angle, it does make it a lot more difficult for me to play with other people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because, because oftentimes it's like I'm doing something with a casual play partner and it's like, I really wish I could be doing this with my yeah, person. I've had that experience. And... You know what? Another another Dom once said to me. She says, "You have a choice. You can either have you can either be a successful professional, or you can have a personal relationship. You cannot have both." Yeah. And and I'm so scared that she's right because I find that part of what I do is I give myself to my play partners, and when I'm giving. You know, when I say bring all the man you are, it's also that I'm bringing all the person that I am. And so when I put that into a scene, that means that when I go home at night, I don't have it to give necessarily. I might not have as much left to give to my personal relationship. But the reason why the people come and see me in a scene is so that because they know they're going to get that. Mm -hmm. And so how do you find the balance? And it's... It's hard. It's just really hard. I'm I want to continue talking right about the balance, but I want to hear what you have to say about about the sacred properties of BDSM, Saad. I was a pro very successfully, like doing obscene obscene numbers of sessions per week while having no choice but to be in a vanilla relationship. Um, so for like the first several years that I was actively exploring this side of myself, my favorite clients, I guess you could call them my best, my most intimate clients became in different compartments. They became different sacred relationships to me. And the first time I started dating somebody who was in the scene I did find that I had a lack of interest to play with my usual play partners. Not that I didn't want to be around them. I just, I wanted to hang out with them more than play with them because I wanted to explore all those things with my partner. Unfortunately, that was never possible to the extent that I wanted, but, um, I still need, I, I love how monogamous your idea is. And I know that I very well may end up there someday. And there have been times that I definitely fantasize about that possibility. But right now for me, I know that my needs and my desires are so varied that it would be horribly selfish of me to expect him to be able to fulfill all of my fantasies as much as I know he wants to. Um, that would just be so unfair of me to put that much on him that until 
And as you all know, because you've all been playing for years, you go through different phases where you really want different types of play, different dynamics, different activities, and then you kind of you move past them. You're just like, all right, I've had enough of that, and I want something different, something more now. Um, I'm still at a point where I enjoy so many different types of people and so many different types of play that... I'm not ready to deny myself those things yet. Mm-hmm. I still need to explore those aspects of myself. I need to own them further and understand those desires better. And it would be unfair of me to expect him person. To, to be able to fulfill everything that I still need in order to fully own myself. Well, well and then there's also that property of, you know... He, this is someone you care about and you can't be that person you are with someone you don't care about in those times that you need to not care about the person that you're playing with. And so therein lies one of the challenges that, you know, that we've just started talking about to relationships, you know, like. Well, part of what I would also say to this, and, and, and this was something that I figured out in my vanilla relationships as well, is that I, I, I'm not a poly person. I'm not a swinger. I'm not an open relationship person at all. But what I often say about the person that I'm with is that I go, look, before I met you or before you met me, maybe you had a type. Maybe you have, you know, the kind of person that you went after or whatever. And I am probably not it. Just as in the same way, you are probably not my type. Like my, like if I were to write down everything on a, on a sheet of paper, everything I wanted in a man, you're probably not it. But the thing is, is that when I met you, you were what I needed. Mm. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other things I still need. And so I don't, I can't, I I will never be a five foot 10 blonde with big tits. I will never be, you know, a a, a five foot one, 36, 24, 36 brick house. Your nipples are hard. (laughs) Right. But, but you know, there, there are all kinds of things that I'm never going to be. I'm never going to be a redhead and, you know, down there. And, um, and so <laughs> the carpet will never match the drapes. They won't. <laughs> so, so, you know, and in that, how can I expect for you to, to forego all of those other things that you have been attracted to for all your life that have, that have, that you've evolved into or developed into or that you have loved or been, been wanting or whatever. I can't expect to be all the woman that you've ever wanted, like of every kind of woman ever. And nor are you ever going to be all the man I've ever wanted ever. So occasionally there's going to be somebody who is a better Scrabble player than you. <laughs> or, you know, or who is taller or has more muscles or who has a bigger dick or a smaller dick. Or, or who looks better in a dress. Or who looks better in yes. a dress. Well, I don't know about that. But, um, but there, there are going to be all those things. And I cannot ask you to be every, I cannot ask you to be every single fantasy of mine. Mm-hmm. And that's, and part of what I've loved about being a dom is that everybody comes to me like with a different thing. They are a different puzzle to sort out. And so this person might like to 
wriggle in his bondage. And this person might like to just stay still and slip inside himself and disappear. And this person might like to be bound up really, 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 really tight. And this person might like to like rope or he likes metal or he likes leather. And there's so many different variations. And to me, it's like, I want to be able, and, and everything about each and every one of them, like brings a different thing that I can get so passionate about. And, and I've always said, like, I, I remember saying to my, saying about my previous boyfriend that I do not try to love all of him at once. Instead, I try to find one thing to fall absolutely in love with for as long as I can. And I love the hell out of that part. And it could be just the shape of his eyebrows, or it could be the way he opens the car door for me. But whatever it is, it's, you know, or it could be his integrity or his sense of himself, his self-confidence. But whatever it is, I just love the hell out of that one thing. Mm. And then when I stop loving that so much, I've got something else to fall absolutely madly in love with. And that to me is what I do as a dom, is that each person represents that one thing that I can be absolutely madly in love with at that given time. I, I have this one guy that I haven't seen in a while, but he loves rope. Mm. And the way that we commune together with rope is amazing. Sacred. Sacred. Yes. Mm. Yes. And, and that's the other, that's the other part. It's like, I have been fortunate in my practice that 75, 80% of the people that I play with. I don't play with a lot of people. I try not to see more than one person a day and I try not to work more than three or four days a week. I really don't want to because it's not good for me mm. that way. But every person I play with, we have a special connection, you know, like 80%. There are, there are a couple of people because I do agree. There's some people that you just want to say like, come in, I'm going to knock you out and then you're going to get the fuck out. <laughs> and there, there's some people like that, but then there are other, but, and, and you need that. You need yeah. to be able to have some people that you just, yeah. you got to go to. And there's some people that that's all they can do. They're kind of yeah, like and that's, so it's like, right, it's, exactly. Or, you know, it's like going to McDonald's. Yeah. Like sometimes it's like, you know what? I just need to put it's something not like my going body. to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Intimacy for me has always been much more sacred than emotional intimacy because the family, whoa, whoa, whoa. what the, kind of intimacy is more sacred than emotional physical. intimacy? Physical intimacy is yes. more sacred. Allow, yes, and maybe that has to do with the environment that I was raised in, where my mother is a very spiritual person, and you know we always invited people into our home and we cared about them. We wanted to help them own themselves and own their future and own their life. So becoming emotionally intimate with people is comes very okay. easy. I love very easily. I don't fall in love very easily, but I love very, very easily. And I know and appreciate that I do get that from my mother. I mean, like my brother had a whole bunch of wayward friends that we adopted for years at a time. They would live with us and we would become emotionally intimate with these people. Mm. And you could do that to almost any extent. And that's fine. That's part of spirituality and knowing and loving somebody emotionally, but physical intimacy, allowing somebody access to your temple, as my mother called it. Your peach? Letting <laughs> yeah. somebody the handle temple? your peach? <laughs> is, is, for whatever reason, that 
we were instilled with that being much more sacred than being emotionally intimate with somebody. You can have countless friends, but you shouldn't have countless partners. And so the physical intimacy, my, okay, let's say my ex-boyfriend, my most recent ex, was part of the polyamorous lifestyle, and I'm not. When I am with somebody, I really honestly have no desire to have anybody else physically touching me. While I may have all kinds of crazy orgy and threesome and DP fantasies and things like that, I really do not have any desire to have anybody else. You have double penetration fantasy. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, so do I. Double, triple, like <laughs> Triple, yeah, absolutely. Triple penetration. Oh, I it's really a pleasure for me. Everybody, fuck every hole, make me feel good. You know, my blog. Severin Fies at blogspot.com. And I don't fully understand why I draw that distinction, but sex for me is much more sacred than just plain old BDSM. And while I do love incorporating the two and sharing BDSM and sex combined as a sacred thing with one person it is its own thing we have our own relationship and the things we do together are are just us i don't share that with other people i don't do those things with other people you know it's like while i may have done these things a thousand times in sessions when i do it with you it is as never before that's interesting no, I have to agree. I mean, I, I'm in a relationship and, and, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I mean, yeah, I agree there, you know, there's only one person that's ever going to lick my asshole, you know, yeah. it's like, and I want him to lick my asshole a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> high five on that one. <laughs> <laughs> or lick my asshole, lick my pussy, maybe toss a little salad, you know, whatever. And then in, in the midst of all these, you know, sexual, you know, and I'm, I'm going to fuck him in the ass. I'm going to do whatever. And it's, it's very loving and intimate. And, and it's always, you know, it's always a sexual BDSM experience. And that is, that happens only, you know, with that person. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many times you've technically done this thing. It becomes completely yeah. brand so new. So I don't do that, you know. with that person in that moment. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't have any need to do that elsewhere. And I'm really lucky to have that relationship. And then I'm also really lucky to have all these other people I get to play with. Because while I've trained him to take some pain and, you know, while he's learning to, you know, he, he does like some pain, you know, there's other people who really can take pain and like, I need to have that interaction with these other people and they can do it and take it in different ways and all, you know, so like that's, I know my slave is up for just about anything I can come up with, but at the same time, I know that he is never going to beg me to put 350 needles in his cock and balls at one time. Oh, like that picture I saw in your... You have a picture on your blog. It's, it's like it's my own three perverted. porcupines fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, it's you crazy. can't even see the skin. It's crazy. And I love that challenge of seeing just how many needles that I can stick in this very tight, constantly shrinking space, <laughs> you know? And... Yeah. While I love that my slave is up for absolutely anything that I can come up with and more, I also know that there is a line and he's just not yet capable of that. Well, so, but, but 
He begs to differ. Part of, part of what <laughs> I was, he begs to beg, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but part of but part of what I was going to say about what's interesting about that is that to be able to separate the physically intimate from the emotionally intimate, I'm mostly get. I guess I can say it's I can take you, but you can't take me. Okay. Yeah. That all right. That makes sense because yeah. I was going to say it. It's because like, I am being physically that intimate makes a lot with them. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm being physically intimate with them, but they are not being physically intimate with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This must. This might be the most sexual uh, like sublimation that they could possibly have. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, because maybe this is the only place that they can do this, and it's like the most satisfaction they have. So right. That's kind of interesting. Well, you know what? I, I've I've found this in that. Um, I have a partner with whom it it doesn't even make any sense, but there's just sort of this feeling of what I do when I'm lying here with you in this bed and just, just the part where I put my hand on your chest and put my nose in the crease of your neck. That is something I don't get to do with anyone. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and that part of myself that I show when I do that with you is something that no one else gets. And I understand that physical intimacy. And, I, and, I, and it's hard to articulate, it's, it's hard to, to, articulate to, to put into words, to whatever, but to know that there's just that moment right there of who I am and how I feel when I do that. You as a total woman. Yeah. But, but you know, it's not just me. As a, it's like it's, it's me, like, not as Troy, not as Dom, not as mistress, not as it's, – it's not even the total woman because it's, because it, it's actually uh, abnegation to a certain extent of this mistress figure and more just an embrace of me and the – that that is the thing that I can give, you know, and it, it certainly helps when, you know, whatever partner I'm with is someone that I, with whom I do things that I don't necessarily do in scene as much as I crave a partner that I can tie up and act out all my bondage fantasies with that. I don't have that kind of partner, but instead someone whose fetishes are in a different area that aren't necessarily, on my menu, so to speak, but something that I share with him exclusively is meaningful. You know, just without, what we can do is we can talk about, or we can mention the other questions that we've had. I mean, like if there's something, one question in particular that someone's really interested in talking about, then we can go through that. Cloning. Yeah, well. I love that question. And really? Yes. I love that you love that question. I've, I've blogged about it before and well, written about it and things like that. If you could clone yourself, would you top yourself? Uh, really? I didn't know that. My I answer is absolutely because I have never met somebody who was... If I could clone either, myself, my clone would be watching a videotape of you fucking your clone. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would say <laughs> yes, okay. absolutely. Because... I did not get trained as a dom by subbing to somebody. I've never felt the desire to serve anybody. I've had selfish desires where I've desired activities that are considered to be activities that tops do to bottoms or to submissives just because I'm a sensationalist and I enjoy them. 
but through topping so many people, I have seen subspace from afar, and it has put me into top space, which is an entirely separate thing. I have seen subspace from afar, and it looks beautiful and freeing and amazing and just this absolute freedom of responsibility where you're with somebody that you trust implicitly so you can just let go of everything and know that mommy, daddy, whoever is taking care of you so you don't have to listen, you don't have to look, you don't have to feel, you don't have to do anything to take care of yourself to ensure your survival. You can shut down all of your survival instincts and everything and just either fall into yourself and your own consciousness. You can explode into universal consciousness. Like I've seen it go so many different directions. It looks beautiful. It looks amazing. But I have never met somebody that I have either trusted to take me to such a place of vulnerability or that I have wanted to give that much of myself to. And I see it and I envy it. I envy the desire and I envy the reality of it and the pursuit of it. But I have yet to ever meet anybody where I think you are the one where I could try. And because I know myself so intimately, I would trust myself to take myself there and bring myself back to experience such a polar opposite thing from what I experience in top space. Because top, top space is, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's mind-bending and blowing, but at the same time, you are so hyper-aware of your sub, yourself, the environment, every sound, every movement, everything. At least for me, when I go into top space with somebody that I'm subbing and I see them slip into subspace, I go into this really hyper-awareness mode that's just exhausting, where I'm looking out for them emotionally and physically, and I'm protecting them from everything in the room or anyone else that might be in the room, especially when you're playing in public, you know, you're constantly watching and being aware so that you can protect them so that they can have this experience where they don't have to protect themselves at all. And that kind of freedom from the universe and or not from the universe, but from the world and from our tangible selves looks incredible and beautiful and amazing. And I do envy that, but I, have never met anybody where I wanted to say, yes, you can have my vulnerability. And so, yes, I wish I could clone myself so that I could experience right now instead of possibly someday in the future that freedom from my ego and from my physical self. I don't need a clone. And I remember, I remember actually asking you, to flog me cane. and cane across my shoulders, starting with flog and then cane my shoulders. I don't remember you asking me to flog you. Um, do you remember flogging me, though? No, I remember caning you. The marks were from the, <laughs> the, 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 the broadest marks were from the flog and the heaviest marks were from the cane. And, and it started with flogging. I, I, don't, I don't need a clone because there are already people, including you, Saad, that I trusted in skill and in uh, psyche enough that I could actually um, permit myself to be that vulnerable with. 
um, I perceive myself as incredibly valuable. And so would I want to clone an incredibly valuable person to, and top that incredibly valuable person as precarious as I know I am from the bottom? <laughs> no. No, I absolutely would but, not. But, it, but you don't have to top I have topped a lot of pro-doms specifically because I don't have any specific desire to top submissive women. I like masochists, but I do like that I know so many women that when they need to go to that place, I'm very flattered that they would reach out to me to feel so safe as to let me take them there. To not dominate them, but give them... The an opportunity to be free. Yes. To let go. And I don't think of it as I'm topping her, I'm dominating her. I think of it as me um, sharing an experience with her. And it's really weird for me when I feel like I'm doing that with one of my fellow mistresses, when I'm allowing her, um, starting with physical sensation, to reach that mental state. It's really weird for me when they start calling me mistress or headmistress and they start acting subby to me yeah. because I don't feel like I'm dominating them. I feel like I'm helping my friend reach a mental state that they, they need right now for whatever reason. I don't care. All I know is that my friend needs to go here mm -hmm. and I can help them do that. But I like your question, Alex, because it, you know, for me, the question forced me to face my strengths and my weaknesses. And would I like to be faced with those same strengths and weaknesses? Hmm. Um, and um, like I said, I, I find myself incredibly valuable. And although I love myself more now than I ever have in my life, um, I, I still I, I wouldn't want to top myself, which is your question, right? No. If you had a clone, it's would interesting. you top your clone? Well, it's interesting. My question, I, I think, and I allowed him to state my question, which, you know, perhaps is my... my <laughs> <laughs> I know, so smart. And so I think, you know, my question is, okay, I think, okay, here's what my question was. Would If you could clone yourself... Basically, what would you do with yourself and uh -huh. would you top yourself? And I guess implied in the answer is, if not, why? And what the fuck would you do with yourself? <laughs> and so I think what's really interesting, though, about leaving the question a little bit more open is you come to these conclusions, you know, um, maybe you only think about it, would I top myself? Because that's what seems to be the most, because like you said, yeah, I am infallible or not, or, you know, co-top with myself, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, if I would could clone my, you know, because we all have all these different facets of ourselves. And, you know, if I were to clone myself, I would take advantage of what I know to be some of the other facets of myself. Like, mm -hmm. I would stick my face right in my ass, you know, is the first thing I would do. And so there's lots of other things I would do with myself. But like, but, you know, you, you know yourself so intimately and then other ways you don't know yourself and then you could test yourself and there's so many things you could do with yourself. So. Face up to your own fantasies and see if you right. could make them reality. Could I even top myself? Or do I want to? Or do I only want to, like, you know... Would I be disgusted myself? by the know. submissive look on my own face? In a perfect world, I would say I would clone myself for 24 hours, and then I would magically merge back into myself, and my brain would remember both experiences perfectly. Because mm -hmm. I don't want a copy of myself to live on... Not me. I would fucking lock myself in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question, if... if if, but are you the clone? <laughs> but I had another question. Though. Is it because 
the ass and face thing? Is it because you love your ass that much or is yes. it because, okay, there you go. <laughs> Everything to do with it. What is, what was the or? What was the other? Well, it doesn't well, matter. Well, it was because either you love your ass so much or you love your face so much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love my face so much that I would sit on it or I love my ass no, so much. I think I love my ass more okay. than my face. <laughs> I don't know because it's hard but, to Troy? Yes. Would you claw yourself? <laughs> no. You wouldn't? No. Too what, expensive, what's, right? What's the reason? <laughs> is, there, is, there a reason is, there, is it because you saw the movie Multiplicity and you, we all know how difficult... I am not going to be your Michael Keaton monkey, no. no. Okay. <laughs> um, no, would I clone myself? No. No. You know, my real name means unique, select, a special person, and I'd like to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. <laughs> that, that, and that's not even it. What if it was for only 24 hours? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have a fantasy-driven mind. I don't like to think about things that are not possible of mm-hmm. coming true, and so I don't. I don't think about that stuff. You know, would I like to top myself? No. I am a horrible fucking bottom. <laughs> I am miserable to top. I am the worst person to top ever because I know exactly because I I top from the bottom like a motherfucker. And, and but would it, you have to if you were topping yourself? You might just chat. <laughs> exactly. I, w- I would just stare at myself in the you mirror. Guys could cook so many things. Right. You know, uh, like <laughs> I, I did not start at the bottom. I don't. I don't particularly understand it. I do bottom on occasion because it's. I think it's important, and I don't understand. I I personally have a hard time really accepting that there are. Doms who, male or female, and I meet far more males that that do this than females, who have never been in their own ropes or who have never felt the lash of a whip or who have never been in bondage or, you know, in any kind of way felt what it's like on the other side. I don't understand how you can do that. I think that it is important, if only because, I mean, like I, I blogged recently about how I've been experimenting with um, sleep sack bondage mm. because I put a lot of fucking people in sleep sacks, a lot, and I hate bondage. I It sends me, like when when my I go to Shibari Khan every goddamn year and there are always like these little you know, experiential things or whatever, and you got to tie yourself up. And if I tie my wrists or I tie my feet, I break out in a full body sweat. I can't stand it. But I do it because that's the only way that I know what rope burn feels like Mm -hmm. and what, you know, and what it feels like to panic when you're in rope and it takes somebody a fucking long time to get you out when you have to get out. And so... So I force myself to bottom for the empathy of it because that makes me a better top. It makes me a stronger top. And I understand that. So I've been making myself go into bags with people that I trust and dealing with it. And it's hard. I don't know how. My job as a top is the easiest job in the world. Being a bottom is fucking hard. To go to some woman, some little 
pissant bitch who puts an ad up on the internet and says, pay me $200, you filthy worm, and come in here and take off all your clothes and submit to me. How do you do that as a grown-ass man? How do you do it? I yes, don't I don't know. researching them, sure. You know, how you do don't. You do how do you do that? Like, like do do that? and that's why dominating the cock is just dumb because they're simple. But I, I don't get it. And I think that that is... I have so much respect and admiration for the man who can say, I read your website, every word, and I'm going to have a 10-minute conversation with you over the phone. Mm. And then I'm going to come in to your space that I don't know, and I'm going to show you my most vulnerable and secret self and give that self over to you. To me, that is way more strong, stronger and powerful and intense than any kind of, I'm going to throw my whip at you and I'm going to tie you up and whatever yeah. that I could possibly do. Who was it? Diana Balance or somebody, somebody on their, that has a Dom forum on Max had the tagline, any leather booted bitch can make you scream mercy. I'll, I'll make you scream for more. That's me. Uh, it's, um, <sighs> mm, myth. I, I know her name, and I will tell you in a moment. She's retired now. I think most men have a, a quite a different way, and, and I can say this because I'm not a man, and I can certainly project what I think that they think. Um, I think most men have grown up uh, who have lived and been you know, cultivated in a misogynist society that tells them that they can pretty much do whatever they want without a lot of fear. I mean, and, and yes, they do expose themselves, they expose their vulnerabilities, and I take very special note of that, and I appreciate that, you know, because a lot of them don't do that. However, I have to say that they've also been, been cultivated to expect to survive that and to expect to thrive, you know. So I, I to be quite honest, I think that that your perspective on that is from your perspective of, you That's know, really from, from our side of it, yeah. where we're not really taught that we're going to survive. And so we're dominant women. Yes. And so we do know we will and we expect to. But I think that that's we also have the benefit of having that as well as having been women all of our mm -hmm. lives, our entire lives and been and grown up around women who don't feel that way. And so mm -hmm. we know that. So I think that's yeah. an interesting thing to keep in mind. Is we have a bit of both perspectives, so I don't know that they share the other perspective necessarily. Sometimes, you know, I don't, and I can't speak for everyone. That's an, ama have that's to an amazing, amazing that. point, and that's and I do think that that's something that I forget. So you probably read into things a lot more than they actually do themselves. Yeah. They, they probably exist. They don't necessarily yeah. automatically. But I, but I would love to hear what the man. I'm sure it depends on the guy. Like, I think there are some guys who are simply yeah. spoiled. And there are some guys who are simply spoiled and do expect everything, and then there are the guys who it does take a form of bravery. So I think just like anything else, there are some guys who just expect, well, I can get whatever I want. Do you think submission for you is an act of bravery? I think it, I, when I look back, I think I know it's who you what play I with. Him through. <laughs> I know who you play with. So yeah. yes, I think it always. I think it always is. I no think. I, what. I think for me it was. Uh, I, I I don't know if it was uh, brave. Sometimes I think it was brave, and sometimes I think I was just horny. Would you ever hire a sex worker, male or female, to fulfill your own fantasies that you couldn't fulfill otherwise? And under what circumstances? Like, say, 
if you couldn't find a personal play partner that was like, maybe you've been looking for this your whole life and you can't find it or, you know, or you have partners, but you just can't fulfill this one thing with them, like whatever, would you go there ever under any circumstances? And if you would like to tell me what they are, I would love to hear them, but you don't have to (laughs) (laughs) entirely. Um, um, you know, I, I won't say no. If this situation, desire, need, requirement was there, absolutely, I would drop a few hundred bucks for the right person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. And if it was my deepest, deepest, darkest I wanted them to fulfill or the most disgusting I wanted them to fulfill or embarrassing or embarrassing or whatever it may be. Yes. Yes, I absolutely would. And that would be the hardest job interview anyone has ever been. <laughs> well, would you pee on me? Answer me. <laughs> yes, um, I can imagine that would be such a whole lot of for that guy. Like, takes his pants off and she's like, no. I'm not paying for that. Pee on me with that dick? Right, right. I don't or, think so. Right. <laughs> no, you should go. Here, here's $5 for a cab. <laughs> How about you, driver? Do you? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, like, my, I have a very fluid, I'm, you know, even in my, before my attitude was always, you know, I, my ex boyfriend would go to Las Vegas for these boys' basketball weekend, weekends or something during March Madness. And I would say, bye, honey. Hope you get lucky. And how I've always felt about this is like, if there is anything that you don't want to do, outsource that shit. It is okay to delegate. So if if there was something that I really wanted that my partner could not fulfill, um, I don't I don't have any problem with hiring someone to do it. <laughs> Except for that I'm a cheap bastard. But. Um, <laughs> Well, women don't have to pay for it anyway, so, yeah. How about me? Have I ever hired a male prostitute? No, would you? No, would you? Would you pay? You don't have to. Would you? Or both. Yeah, would you have you paid? I would hire a male prostitute. Um, it never occurred to me to actually hire a guy. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. It's not even like a date. Uh, I, just, I would never hire a male prostitute. What for? To beat the fuck out of? I don't, I don't think... think and, and to maybe, fuck the shit out of you? You can hire some guy with a 14-inch cock? Come on. I don't like penetration. I don't get penetrated. I'm the fucker. I thought we were all clear on that. <laughs> I, I'm the fucker. I don't get penetrated. I don't care for it. I've yeah. done it. I've done it a lot. Um, but now I don't... I don't want it. I'm entirely clitoral, and I don't. I don't care for any kind of penetration. I love to fuck, and um, I don't. I don't need to be fucked. Um, it doesn't get me off. So I would never hire a male well, um, maybe, prostitute. Maybe there. I guess the other question would be: Is that is there any situation where you can imagine you would? Let's say if there was something very specific in you that you really wanted to do. Let's say if you if you if you really wanted. To fuck some guy in the ass while he was doing the Ricola. Ricola. <laughs> I like I could do that. I could do that so bad example. Right. That's a bad example. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think Either of something. With my boyfriend or with, you know. Anyway. Uh, All right. So, uh, so, But you're saying you wouldn't need to. 
Right. Would you or would you hire like? Did some friends of mine hire a female prostitute for me when we were ha- celebrating my birthday in Vegas five or seven years ago? Yes, <laughs> and it was fucking boring. She gave me a back massage because she was not gay in the slightest. Right. Well, but would you? But would you? And hire- when I was laid over in Denver, was I bored and drunk on a bottle of red wine with only chocolate cake for dinner? Yes, I hired a prostitute. However, she was fucked up. She was not gay or bi in the slightest. <laughs> she gave me a fucking back rub. What is it with the backgrounds and sex workers in here? Because, because I am nice and I say, okay, clearly you don't want to go down on me. Clearly, you know, I don't want to rub up against you because you're not into it. Just give me a back rub. Give me your top up. Give me a goddamn back rub. And that's it because I'm, because I'm, I'm nice. Baby, I will awesome. give you a back rub for free and I am good at it. I'll give you top off. a goddamn back rub. Maybe a competition. I, I already think you're a nipple. <laughs> I know, actually. You see, you make me want to convert. So, no, I would not hire a <laughs> Make me want to go back to graduate school. <laughs> and I actually, for that matter, I would not hire a female prostitute again either. Really? Yeah. I would rather hire my clone. Because then exactly. I would save myself money and fuck myself. <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly. Well, like, and, like that, and, that's, with a mirror. and that's the thing. It's like one of the, one of the things that I ask my play partners constantly is, you know, tell me about good experiences you've had. Tell me about bad experiences you've had. And the bad experiences that I hear are just awful. They make me cry yeah, with how with how with how terrible they are. And you just kind of go like, "Wow, you mean you've you've invested all this money and you've had these all these awful experiences, and yet you still are here and doing this? Like, how committed you must be to, to your s- cock? Yeah, I guess, or to, or 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 to <laughs> find to an or idea, to, or to find or to finding this thing that you want. I don't have the sympathy you have. Um. <laughs> the, the way she says that, you mean to the cock? <laughs> yeah, not that hard to commit to the cock. Well, as I, a guy, well, I, you know, I don't know because I don't have one. I mean, and I'm and I'm not cock centric, and I don't have a lot of cock empathy. Um, but to me, it's like, wow, like, you know, people tell me about their first experience and I go, and why did you even come back? The like, first experience was often likely so bad because they didn't know what to do either. Like mm-hmm. those first experience horror stories are, 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 they're, Mutual. they're not only first meetings, mm-hmm. but they're first times from the bottom and which is normally where they're from. Those, mm-hmm. those stories come from people who who are who were bottoming at that moment or submitting or whatever. Um, but for those first experiences, yes, the horror stories are bad. Um, but they come back because they are there to serve their cock for the most part. Okay, all right. Well, here and and they're bad because they were they didn't know. Not only did they not know themselves as a bottom, but they probably didn't know either. You get to know yourself within a scene as much as you get to know yourself and your sexuality in that sort of, you know, realm of, of the world. There you go. Another, another fine rebroadcast uh, of the podcast. Thanks again for listening. You can go to Masticast.com to donate. Uh, the, same number, the same address if you'd like to uh, listen to past episodes. You can subscribe there. You can... Leave a comment, you can email me, and so much more. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.